Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and today I have on my show is Danica Jones. She is a certified family mediator with the Florida Supreme Court, a guardian ad litem, and an author of Florida's Family Stabilization Parent Education Curriculum, a personal custody coach, and founder of Kids Need Both Incorporated. She's devoted her life to guiding families through coaching, education, and resources to find workable, equitable solutions to their custody conflicts. This is very important. Her model includes educating professionals in the custody field, thus completing the circle of stakeholders who will be empowered to find the best solutions for everybody involved. Um, she continues to seek opportunities to collaborate with organizations that will support her model and bring global healing to families, which is much needed. And her inspiration comes from real world experience and an isolating and abusive marriage. And she'll tell us more about that. But I'm just so glad to have Danica on. And uh, I'm just so happy to have you on, Danica. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, glad to have you. We need to learn from you. <laughs> I will try. I'll do my best. <laughs> I think you'll be just fine. Um, I saw you at the uh, retreat over the weekend for the Resolution Center. And, um, and that, that was nice. And so uh, tell us about... Um, how you got involved into like uh, all of this, this guardian ad litem and how did you get sucked into all this? <laughs> how do I get sucked, in, sucked into it? You know, I think um, I had no idea that I would end up doing this as a life mission because it was sort of thrust upon me just in getting married too young, um, getting, uh, and having a family and about 10 years in, I realized that uh, this was not a healthy direction for the children uh, to see the way things were. And basically it's, um, I got into a relationship with uh, my husband was, he came from, I think we both came from dysfunction to be honest, but he did not have a good relationship with his mother and therefore, when the newness wore off of him joining my family, he began to marginalize me from my family as well, like he did his own. Um, and it just, it became this, I just sort of, um, it just evolved into more of an isolating situation where um, I saw that the children, I became, it's like, um, just for protection, I would put like filters on myself between him and me. So we, I was sort of almost like came, became emotionally unavailable uh, to protect myself. But I also got that by being emotionally unavailable to, as a survival mechanism with my husband, the same thing would carry over with my children. Mm -hmm. And I was a stand that these children um, have a healthy upbringing. So I left thinking, you know, no big deal. I've broken up with boyfriends in the past, no big deal. And then I realized, oh my gosh, about, uh, six months into me leaving the marriage is when he 
did the the sucker punch of filing injunctions against me and trying to uh, withhold the children and try to um, try to create this narrative in the community, not just with the children. Then it was, we had five, not just with the children, but in the school community and anybody in every. It was obsessive, mm -hmm. so uh, I found myself in survival mode. And I was wondering why these children who previously had loved me and, and were always very respectful to me um, were being so belligerent and, um, and just vicious, like I was their enemy. And then that's when I discovered, this was 20 years ago, I discovered the word parental alienation. Mm -hmm. So I just became just a voracious um, reader of what is this? What, what's, what's going on in my life uh, with the kids? By doing that, it took me from getting out of the reaction of things and actually taking, um, I guess, thoughtful measures on uh, dealing with the children to stay in their, you know, keep a foot in their lives, in their hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, because think about it, when you have children that are, that are disrespectful and uh, to you, you typically punish them. Mm -hmm. for their behaviors but if their behaviors are they're really just the puppet um of the parent who's bad mouthing and trying to get them to hate um hate me then that was uh, for me to react by punishing them and 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 all that with their behaviors was falling into the narrative that their dad was creating against me so it was um and it just over time, I realized uh, all of this pain and suffering that I was going through, I couldn't be the only one. And I knew it took a lot for me to find the information I did back in, you know, 2000, 2001. So from that point on, I'm like, how can I curate all of the resources I found and find even more for the next person to just, you know, pay it forward? Um, so then it became sort of a, just a passion of mine to make a difference with families. And I was like, okay, God, you gave me, you gave me my life's mission. Thanks a lot. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then, but I'm really, am grateful to make a difference, um, in other people's lives. So I became, um, a, you know, a, a teacher in the schools and in the college system. And I, uh, and I started, um, I became a family mediator and I wrote the curriculum for the state of Florida that's actually approved in 42 other states as well um, for the family stabilization course. Mm -hmm. And that was just sort of a natural thing. Now, what I've created also is uh, pre preparing people, trying to get people away from thinking that um, litigation is their only option. Mm -hmm. Understanding that if I empower the parent to, um, to understand how things are to go and to, to heal themselves, then they don't necessarily have to resort to litigation as an answer. And, and sometimes you have to use litigation when you're dealing with a completely obsessed, alienating, person who's bullying you and 
is not afraid of anything mm -hmm. and just wants you to suffer, I get litigation may be a necessary evil, mm -hmm. but most families, they don't really, uh, like I was working, I'd been mediating uh, one um, set of co-parents and they've been divorced, but things came up during mm -hmm. the pandemic. Um, and they came to me and they said, listen, um, and my attorney is asking me for 20 more thousand dollars to oh move my. forward. And there's still no guarantees that mm -hmm. you're going to get what you want, you know, get anything for that 20 grand. Mm -hmm. But they said, we're going to try mediation. And I have, um, you know, worked several sessions with them and, you know, and we're coming up with some resolution mm -hmm. and, you know, um, and that's the happy ending because those children will be, um, are the big winners right. in this whole thing. Danica, how long when you meet with people, does it take to bring them to an understanding that, okay, we're, we're mediating and we're going to agree to this? It's, um, it's different uh, with each one, but I would, I would say that if they're both willing to come and mediate, a lot of times you're not going to get it in one session because the thing is, is they're already um, adversaries. They're coming to the mediation, and this isn't always the case, but they're coming to the mediation with two completely different views of things. So really using my skills in communicating with the parents, I get they I get to hear their side, both sides, and then we work things out. It usually takes about three or four sessions mm -hmm. to really get some completion over it. And you don't always get everything uh, hammered out, but at least they start looking at each other as human beings mm -hmm. instead of these evil enemies. So what do you do with, um, like, say they're getting along, do you ever have people come back to you and say, now this is not working? Yes. Yeah. I've done several modifications. Uh, they, but, and the thing is, is as long as when they come to me, uh, that's the goal. I mean, is to, is to go through mediation to, to not go through litigation and stuff like that where, because it's just so toxic. It's, mm -hmm. it's designed, the whole court, uh, is designed to be a winners and losers kind of situation where um uh and it it's just um yeah like in, in family court you've got to you can't do this like winners and losers kind of situation because when you when the parents when one parent is able to get victory over the other parent where does that leave the child mm -hmm. you know have you found that it, you know parents had been going co-parenting very well and a third party has inserted themselves and created havoc and then maybe one of them comes to you and then the other party won't come to you mm -hmm. um i don't know how often you deal with things like that yeah well that's the thing and that's in my co-parenting curriculum it's called a happy child uh i definitely pick up on blended family situations because the predictability when the the first I guess the the intact family when it splits 
uh, the predictability that one or both are going to go into another rela relationship and possibly a relationship where there's stepchildren involved is pretty high. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the reasons that the uh, you know the second divorce the, or the second marriage and the third marriage and on and on and on actually has less chance of surviving than the initial marriage is because of the blended family dynamics that are going on people try to make that you know that second marriage um it's it's a totally different animal than the original marriage uh, when you're dealing with those family dynamics and stuff like that so i always try to put a component of um of blended family uh, dynamics because you might have that that new love interest coming in that's insecure or jealous or threatened or whatever that can actually cause alienation that where it didn't exist before mm -hmm. have you ever had to recommend like a forensic psychological evaluation on some people i haven't because that's not not my role okay. um but however um and i to be honest i try to by the time it gets to the level of a forensic psychology um, recommendation it is so toxic so far gone there it might be years into this whole battle um and they're thinking that's the magic bullet that's going to solve everything mm -hmm. not saying it doesn't help it doesn't um hurt or help i know in my own personal situation i actually had two uh, psych psychological evaluations of the family. The first was put on by um, the uh, Department of Children and Families in Florida. And, um, and the second one we brought in as a private forensic psychologist. Mm -hmm. And it was quite interesting that if, um, and I was shocked that the mental health profession was not aware of and many of them don't know how to identify parental alienation mm -hmm. um and in my situation the first one that you know spent 15 minutes with me and he was just at the directive of an open uh, uh dependency case against me he just spent 15 minutes with me and then yep he's like yep mom basically mom's crazy kids go with dad and then the second evaluation it was several weeks of intense interviewing and testing of each member of the family so it was super uh, extensive um and i would i always tell people i said don't think that you're going to get what you you know get what you um want in a psychological evaluation uh a court case you know hiring that amazing uh expensive lawyer to get what you want mm -hmm. um don't ex don't expect that they're not going to even make promises they'll that, that they'll get you what you want um but they will sure ask you for a huge retainer to mm -hmm. even touch that case and uh i always say that if you're not working on the relation because the relationship is ultimately the prize that you're going after is maintaining that the the eternal unity of your of the bond you have with your children if you're not working on that and you're just going all about um warfare in the courts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're even if you win 
you're winning the booby prize. You're not really winning the real sought after prize, which is the relationship with the children. So, and I, I found myself in the end um, of a five-year battle actually being offered soul custody. Mm -hmm. And I, it was a really hard thing because I'm like, wow, I can claim victory and stuff like that. But I just like, I was like, but what am I a stand for? I'm a stand that these children grow up whole and complete. And the only way that they are going to, they, they really need a, a loving relationship with both parents, totally get, um, you know, all that they went through, but they still needed to know um, the good and the bad of both of their parents because the that their parents are part of who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and we learn, we learn, I, we learn as children, think about it when you become in your twenties or thirties or whatever, and you're starting your uh, family, you're thinking, what did my parents do that I liked that I want to implement in, in my family? And what are the things that I didn't like that I don't want to continue to repeat the patterns of? So just because you're exposed to maybe your ex has a certain personality trait or whatever that you find at that point despicable, mm -hmm. don't think that cutting them out of your life, their life will prevent the child from repeating it. In fact, they really got to see for themselves um, so they get to make their own decisions. Um, what do you do with these parents that come to you and say, well, I was co-parenting, but now he's, he or she has blocked me from my, I have no way to contact the ex. <laughs> and what, what do you do? I mean, what do you do with that? <laughs> so, okay. So what, um, what you're asking me is, uh, when they, they can't contact the, the, the co-parent or mm -hmm. the children. Both. How about both? both? <laughs> that is, that's a tough thing. I, I'm not against utilizing, um, you know, the court system, you know, you know, to defend, to, to, to move things along and, and to exercise your rights. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying that you also have to do other strategies. Mm -hmm. So there might be a situation where you have to uh, to say, you know, um, to document that you've had your visitation withheld or, or in that might include your uh, FaceTime visits and stuff like that. Like it's super important to, to document it um, for court purposes, but you need to look at every other way that you can be involved in your child's life. Uh, like if they're in school, then you know, you have rights. I think most of us have rights to, to say, I, I need to know what my kid's school schedule is. I want to be able to talk to the teachers. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to have some input. I want to um, go to their games and stuff. And just to, is when I, when I was going through a lot, all that I was going through uh, for a while there, I was non-residential. So mm -hmm. I was definitely in that situation. You know, how do I show my kids that I'm, I care? when mm -hmm. it's not my time. Um, and I went there to visit for, for lunch and I went to, you know, their, their ball games and sat in the audience at, went to teacher meetings. 
trust me, I did, that was the last place I wanted to be because mm -hmm. it was so uh, heartbreaking to see my children, um, you know, across the room and them being by their father, not feeling comfortable to come in over to me and say hi. Plus, they knew that there was all this bad mouthing going on in the school mm -hmm. against me. So, mm -hmm. but they saw me there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's the only reason I would go is just so they could see that I cared enough to be there. Because mm -hmm. it unraveled the narrative that they were being told that I don't care. That's very true. That's very true. What do you think of these school systems that I think are furthering this alienation? I mean, once the custodial parent waltzes in there with a court document and talks to the principal and gives him whatever line he wants to give them about you and of course it's you're mentally ill <laughs> and mm -hmm. when you want to come into the office and and talk they treat you they really shabbily if you ask me mm -hmm. um you know it's like i still don't know you know and even you know my children have aged out i look back and it's like i don't know how i would even handle that. I mean, I've had a superintendent lie to me. I bet I've been lied to by the principal, the superintendent. It's like, what rights does a non-custodial parent even have, which is nothing? Yeah. I mean, it feels like that, but I think uh, in many of the states, things are changing. Certain school districts where uh, now they have these, these, these parent portals that you can log in with your, your own login um, information to find out about your child's grades, their attendance, um, even their assignments and stuff like that. And I would say get proficient uh, on being able to utilize that. Also, you've got to be really careful about um, reacting, mm -hmm. going in, just, just assume I mean, even if you, you, you know, in your head, you've got evidence to prove that, um, you know, the principal or the teacher is siding with your ex, you have to go in even like pretending, like not acknowledging that mm -hmm. and it, just really saying, uh, being this Susie sunshine, I call it, mm -hmm. I was just Susie sunshine. I'm going, I'm a, I'm just going to take the approach that, you know, we're on the same team, you know, working for the best interest of the child and stuff like that. Because over time, it's the narrative that they've been taught to believe becomes incongruent with the person you show up yourself up to be. And if you come in demanding your rights, mm -hmm. you're just suck, getting sucked into the narrative that they've taught, mm -hmm. been told. Um, so it, it, it's mm -hmm. definitely, I would say that what would help is, uh, I always tell people, get yourself a divorce coach, custody coach, whatever kind of, you know, life coach um, that you can and because, get them before you hire an attorney mm -hmm. um, because they're going to help ground you in not reacting and um, badly and shooting yourself in the foot and stuff like that. Like they're going to get you to, to, to determine what's, what's no big deal 
and you just need to just like push it aside and what things do you really need to go after and how mm -hmm. um they're like your your strategic partner and um and they're also you know a coach is one that's going to tell you just like just like an athletic coach they're going to mm -hmm. be tough on you they're going to tell you when you're when you're thinking is not very good mm -hmm. um you know to for you to and you guys are both on the same mission, which is, you know, hopefully your coach is all about the best interest of, you know, the child, you know, outcomes for the child. Um, and so I've, I've coached several people going into mediation. So sometimes I wasn't hired for the mediation, but I had someone, um, you know, who was referred to me and I would spend several sessions preparing them for mediation. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was the same thing, grounding them and being a sounding board and, and letting them see what they didn't necessarily see. Um, I, and because when you go into a mediation, for instance, um, you're setting the course for how everything is gonna go for the next 20 years as co-parents and you know you might be making uh making a plan that works great for your two-year-old but it's not going to work when they turn 17. so it's so it's really getting that's kind of what the role of a coach is to see what's blind to you and keep you grounded and keep you out of that what-if world because the what-if world the the fear-based world can have you making a lot of decisions uh, that you'll regret. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of parents going through this, I mean, they're, they're thinking farther ahead than they need to, like what's going to happen next. And um, I'm sure you see that as well. And I'm sure you have to maybe slow them down and say, mm -hmm. live in the present. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, just, you it it's really just getting a good handle on your emotions because mm -hmm. when you think about it when you're in emotional state you're in a survival state you're letting that primitive brain run the show mm -hmm. and um so you're not really thinking at all mm -hmm. um yeah which which leads to people making poor decisions or perhaps saying the wrong thing to their their own child and they i mean people tell you well i said this over the weekend now i'm sorry i said it and you i mean i'm sure you offer ways on how to correct what they just said to the child it's very i'm sure mm -hmm. it's like a, a big ball of wax that's it's just very difficult to deal with yeah you know i i would say and this is what i tell people is maybe you're i'm when the when things didn't work the relationship didn't work out and you truly feel like you're being victimized by a, uh, a a vengeful ex who's obsessed to destroy you at all cost. Um, I mean, that was definitely my experience. Mm -hmm. But then over time, I realized I I was healing. Both of us needed healing. We just reacted differently in the way that we, you know, I um, I was definitely the victim you know, and, and um, I, I had to build myself up and get myself strong so that I no longer uh, was the victim anymore of this. And I, um, and uh, for him, I know he, he I also now, um, 
see him as um, he was a he was a product of his childhood, and that was his go-to, uh, just like an injured animal that goes after you and attacks you, and they're they're injured, mm -hmm. um, and that's their only way of that they know what to do. So, mm -hmm. I always say um, you both need uh, you need help. You can't mm -hmm. just um, because because here's what the potential, the almost certain future is if you don't get healing and that might be through a facilitated uh, coaching group or counseling or um or self-development of some sort that makes you stronger then the predictability is when that relationship doesn't work out you go into another one and since you're the same person you're going to attract a similar dynamic mm -hmm. um, maybe they're not physically violent but they're you mentally mm -hmm. uh you know they it just comes in a different flavor of the same person mm -hmm. over and over again until you uh heal yourself mm -hmm. and make yourself strong and in relationship with the kids it, they they are such they need authenticity mm -hmm. they need if you made a mistake if you said something if you bad mouth there you were so frustrated with the way that they were treating you when they came over to you for a visit that you just couldn't contain yourself and you say something horrible about their other parent then apologize for that admit when you you know made a human error mm -hmm. because we all do it especially under pressure mm -hmm. and um the thing is you know you've got these these outbursts at times and some of these kids will just completely hold it against you forever um you know it's like when i was going through a divorce i never knew that there were divorce coaches um like we were working with attorneys and i don't know if you even call that mediation but they sentenced us to go to co-parent counseling <laughs> and um that was helpful but i but the other party just didn't want to do it anymore mm -hmm. like we went through i don't know how many sessions and then he just got up and said i'm not doing this anymore and he walked out have you ever had that experience yeah you know and i used to always say i mean it doesn't take it does not take the willingness from both sides to to shift to make a change mm -hmm. it takes one person committed to the the end result like i was committed that my children would not have to choose who to have thanksgiving dinner with mm -hmm. i was and you know it, it took a village to help me to even get to that point because when you're you, when you feel like you've been so um attacked for so many years um there's no happy thoughts about them mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm over time we were like you know i uncomfortably invited him to a a blended family gathering and stuff like that and um and he accepted and um and i had remarried um as well and and my ex my second husband was definitely interested you know he was willing to be part of the the healing process too and was a stand that the children um are allowed to invite their dad to family gatherings and it was it was just the the, the exposure 
-hmm. that gets the 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 kinks out it gets that the mm -hmm. stiffness out is just being uh, exposed to each other and then your guard sort of goes down and stuff like that but um but uh, yeah like I wanted um and you know so we had several years of family gatherings where um I had husband and ex-husband in the same spot and um and it it was not I you know not to put myself you know on some pedestal but the fact is is he somebody has to extend the olive branch mm -hmm. somebody has to be the, the the better person somebody has to be the example to the children of this is how i want you to be mm -hmm. um and it has nothing to do with um them contributing to it as well you know the other side uh contributing because eventually the children children naturally go for positive um uh, people they mm -hmm. get I think no, not just children like humans mm -hmm. we see all of this horrible stuff on TV um, and stuff and you get to the point where you have this threshold of negativity I can't take it anymore mm -hmm. and eventually the children will say well you know when I'm with my dads I feel like this and when I'm with them I when I'm at my mom's I feel like this and then they they love both parents um but they'll end up managing the the difficult parent sort of you know feeling obligated kind of codependent or whatever to that particular parent um and stuff and then they have this free relationship with a parent who is like you know doesn't take offense when you know with just lets things roll off their back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i was all about uh, you know, with holidays like Mother's Day and, and their birthdays and stuff like that, like, I was okay that they knew that, that it was important that for their dad to have Father's Day or mm -hmm. the birthday or Christmas Day. And I was like, that's fine. I, you know, I can, we can have an amazing celebration. It doesn't have to be on the day. Mm -hmm. And that gave them freedom. Mm -hmm. So you weren't really chosen over. You were actually the one that gave them freedom. Right. I mean, I always thought it was a you know good idea if, you know, whenever the birthday fell on, if he had them, he had them. But then I would have maybe celebrate their birthday, say on a Thursday. I said, that way we're dragging out your birthday for a whole week. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like a big party all week. And um, you know, you have to go with the flow and um let your child or young adult or tween make decisions, even if they may, you know, hurt you inside. You know, it's like, well, this is bothering me, but they've got to make their own decisions and I can't interfere. And that's part of the, part of the process. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, you know, um, a lot of times parents will take it personally when a child evolves. There's a reason why, children are broken into elementary middle school and high school because there's there's developmental shifts that happen so in their elementary years their whole world is around revolved around their family mm -hmm. um they wouldn't even really think about doing it any other way uh than being with their family and stuff like that but then you hit middle school and that's why sometimes the middle school years are kind of rough mm -hmm. is they're like wait a minute you know my friend joey 
he, his family goes out to the pizza place every Friday night and we don't do that. How come we don't do that? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then in high school, they get, they get completely oblivious to their family mm -hmm. and they're all about their friends. So they really don't want to spend time with either parent. They want to mm -hmm. be with their friends. Right. So we take it personally as parents, mm -hmm. especially if we're not in a, an equally shared parenting, co-parenting situation mm -hmm. when, um, you know, because my second husband, he had that typical non-residential every other weekend kind of visits and stuff like that. And as, as his children got older, they were like, well, our home, for one thing, they, they didn't identify his home as their home mm -hmm. because it's the place they visit, not, and you may have had a bedroom that you tried to put all their stuff in, but they didn't, they didn't own it. It wasn't theirs. Um, mm -hmm. So they'd say, you know, I really want to be at my house. You know, my friends are living in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And then you're, you get as a per, as a non-residential, you just really get, you, you, you get hurt and you take it personally. And you, then you, then if you have a bad relationship with your co-parent, ah, the co-parent is conspiring. They are doing something to try to destroy. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what, what it is. But, um, as a as 50 50 especially if it's like a seven day 50 50 i just found for one thing i was able to to be much more financially stable mm -hmm. um and i could just f be fully myself you know like 100 percent devoted to them for that seven days i got to be i get to take them to school and and have family time and they got their home their you know they got their own uh, space and they had their own friends at my house Mm -hmm. And then passed it off to the, you know, to dad on his week. And that meant I got to pick up extra, you know, like a second job to, mm -hmm. to, you know, so I actually was much more prosperous mm -hmm. and I also had adult time, you know, mm -hmm. for myself that because I'm not being mom for a mm -hmm. week. So, and then when you, of course, when they age out, um, mm -hmm. then it's not such a shocker that the kids are gone because um, you're used to them being on, gone every other week. Um, and when they start branching off in high school and wanting to be around their friends more and with their parents less, you get it that it's the child evolving. It's not the co-parent sabotaging. Right. Uh, and when I had my, I had my kids every other weekend and if they wanted to have their friends come over and sleep over and, you know, whatever. I mean, the one time I had like eight of them all of in, in the house and it was just, it was fun. I mean, even though I, you know, it's like, I know they're there, they're with their friends and, um, you know, I'd have pizza for them. I'd have donuts in the morning. I, I'd wait. I would even wait on them hand and foot. <laughs> but I mean, I found it was it was fun. And then after the friends left, like around 10 a.m., and then uh, we'd just settle down and maybe just watch a movie together before I had to take them back to their fathers. So, you know, it's just a matter of staying positive at all times for these kids. Yeah, and it just it um. Being non-residential for a time, it was heartbreaking. I, I so internalized it and I took it personally. Mm -hmm. I, I 
I, and of course, my ex at that time, because we were in this warfare, was, was feeding the narrative to his community that, that he had primary because it was something wrong with me. Mm. Um, and uh, for me, I felt like I was wearing a scarlet letter because I was like, the, like people are going to think there's something wrong with me because I only get them like every other weekend. And when I did get them, they were so keyed up to be so mean and, um, and stuff that it was survival on those weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's also part of that personal development that you have to do for yourself. You have to nourish yourself, um, as an individual, because you don't necessarily, you don't get to be that parent, um, you know, for your whole life anyway, you've got mm -hmm. to have your own individual identity that you've, that you've built up and nourished anyway. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, uh, is there anything you'd like to add or how can parents reach you if they have any questions for you? Well, I've got, um, I've got a couple of things going on. I've got, well, my, the primary website of my nonprofit is called kid kids need both dot org. Um, but I'm also creating a, um, and of course, I, um, I've also created a platform community called hope for families, hope, the number four families.net. And, uh, the goal is for it to be, um, you know, is to bring together these professionals who are dealing with family stabilization issues and parental alienation and, and to be able to cause the effectiveness of these professionals because there's so many professionals out there that their heart is to help these families. And unfortunately, there are some professionals out there that are, um, that don't have an answer. So they just, kick the can along the road mm -hmm. and they take advantage of it financially. Mm -hmm. And um, our goal is to provide these vetted services or, you know, a directory of professionals that are there for the right reasons that are in alignment with our mission and vision at Kids Need Both. And, um, you know, to get these professionals, if they have courses that they want to provide on the platform, they have courses, we have facilitated groups, um, it's in the pre-launch phase, but um, we actually sort of announced it on the Parental Alienation Awareness Day uh, panel discussion that we had on um, on April 25th. So we're we're getting there. We're fast, quickly trying to fill it in with all the events that are happening across the planet. Because um, you know when we do, and we're doing monthly panel discussions through hopeforfamilies.net mm -hmm. uh, with professionals. And we've had participation from Australia all the way to the UK um, on these panels and stuff like that. So it's super exciting. And we realize it's a global, mm -hmm. it, it impacts people globally. Yeah, this has been a global issue for a long, long time. And everyone's trying to figure it out and get it get it sorted out so they're the future generations are not going to pay for this later and they will i mean we, we yes. have a tendency to repeat the things that are familiar with us even if we know 
it's not even a healthy pattern. Mm -hmm. We just subconsciously repeat the patterns. Mm -hmm. So we've got to break that up. Right. Well, I'm so glad I had you on. I don't want to keep you from your mm -hmm. other appointments. So I'm so glad we had this talk. Well, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And uh, it's nice to know another person, another advocate in the world that's um, doing, doing good things for families. I've seen so many changes over um, the course of the 20 years. I've seen so, like 20 years ago when I'm you know, looking in this, this was the rudimentary internet trying to find help. And I mm -hmm. found a book, my very first book that made a difference was uh, Dr. Warshak, Rob, Richard Warshak wrote a book called Divorce Poison. Mm -hmm. And it became my survival field guide for dealing with my kids. And that was all I had available to me. And until I found more and more people mm -hmm. who got it. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, to find more people and advocacy somehow chooses you whether you like it or not. <laughs> I like that. Yes, it did. <laughs> it, it, it found me and I, um, yeah, had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, but uh, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. <laughs> and, you know, and I would say, um, if I had any kind of advice I give to a parent is be careful to not to 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 not only just document all the things that happen in the course of your co-parenting, but you're basically focusing all the wrong things that happen. Mm -hmm. Document the, the 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 things you need to celebrate, the good mm -hmm. things that happen that happen with your children and with your co-parent. Think about what went right because if you focus on what went right. I guarantee you that will expand. Mm -hmm. um, and that also includes like dealing with your family, dealing on these social media groups and stuff like that. Don't be part of that weighty, mm -hmm. like vomit session, mm -hmm. you know, really get into like, it is not healthy for me to just commiserate mm -hmm. um, on what's not working. Right. Yeah, you have to find the groups that are perhaps searching for solutions. Anyone mm -hmm. have ideas? Positive groups. I mean, there are some of these groups that, like you said, that just brings these parents down and they need to be lifted up during this time. That's right. And they need to stop. Um, I get when I was in the middle of it, I... Um, I just, I felt so victimized and I felt like, well, I, I'm a good person and why I'm, you know, in this, and I, I didn't see where I needed to be healed. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that if you're going through this and your heart is breaking, there's something inside of you that needs to be healed. And mm -hmm. so seek to seek that healing because it will make you stronger and you'll no longer get triggered by uh, the little things. Right. And there's no shame in seeing a counselor or mm -hmm. even a psychiatrist. I mean, you know, anything that can help you make the situation mm -hmm. better. That's right. You know, um, it's better than, I know that historically people who are going through divorce because it is death and divorce is, is you know, the top two things that are traumatic in, in a person's life. Uh, 
that's why you see substance abuse mm -hmm. uh, go up um, because it's a it's a dealing mechanism. It's a mm -hmm. coping mechanism that if I can just if I can just dull the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and and sadly, you know, people use that. Co-parents will use that as a weapon. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're a drunk. They're they're on drugs. They're mm -hmm. this and that. Um, and you know, anyways. So yeah, a lot of people will deal with. It doesn't make them a bad person because they started, you know, drinking a glass of wine every night. Mm -hmm. um, but it also it needs to be an indicator that wait a minute. I'm coping with this and mm -hmm. that means I need, I need healing. Mm -hmm. That's, I, I'm just so glad I had you on for this talk. Mm -hmm. I hope, you know, this, re, you know, reaches people yeah. and helps educate and have people learn from you. And so, mm -hmm. you know, thank you so much for coming on my show. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I'm always, always open to, you know, to spread the light any way I can. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have you back on sometime too in the future. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with Danica and um, other guests in the future. So thank you again, Danica. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.